So before we actually get on to this episode, just a bit of an amendment after the fact, because during this episode, we did talk about the possibility of whether some of the background panels had been traced or photoshopped from existing artwork. Before we went into the episode, Adam had pretty much just proved one piece and then it became a bit of a hmm throughout the episode. But since Adam's gone and had a look at stuff, so I will let Mr. Ridgetop so when we recorded the podcast initially, I could recognize a number of these environments as like, oh, this is the inside of the Nostromo. This is the inside of the Prometheus. This is the inside of the Covenant. The Bridge of the Covenant was the first one that was really apparent to me. But I, I did go into Photoshop and matched some of those images with the concept art of the Covenant by Wayne Hag, I think it is. That was Steven Berg. Steve Berg. That was it. Yeah. Steve Berg, not Wayne Hag. My bad. So I went and matched the artwork to Steve Berg's concept art and it matches exactly. And when that happens, you know that it was just adapted and put into this. Now there's nothing, I think this is not art theft because this is material that Fox owns. The artists that made these concept arts for that movie, they don't have any sort of royalties for their work or anything, but it's still kind of like feels lazy, especially in the world of comics. And I think you still have to think of the fact that, okay, this art that an artist worked on is being reused for an entirely different project and someone else is making money off that project. And that's kind of like, is that cool? Is that not cool? Like for me, it's, I don't think it's very cool. <laughs> How do you feel about it, Aaron? I mean, it, it certainly feels lazy. I mean, in, in the actual episode, we do talk about the implications of, of the possibility that it is literally a Photoshop job because there's this whole, you know, you, you started this amendment talking about how you recognized it was clearly based on such and such. And, you know, that's something we talk about in here. Is it bad that it's recognizably referenced or is it bad that it's potentially a Photoshop job? And it was bad that it was a Photoshop job in the end. I mean, it's, it's, it's bad, but I'm not sure it feels as bad as like what what's his face is doing on the new Marvel run. Greg Land or, or La Roca, Salvador La Roca. Yeah. Yeah. No, there's different there's different degrees of this. And I actually showed this to Tristan Jones on Twitter and he said, Oh, I know he drew the human characters and the alien completely. And and I could tell that. Like they looked original. Mm -hmm. They were doing original things. I think the problem is this also limits the artist in terms of setting up a scene because when you have a framing that's the exact same angle as as what a concept art piece is. You're working with the constraints of that rather than framing your own scene. I know that's easy as a reader and a fan for me to say when they have to deal with all these deadlines. So I don't think this is something that that is solely to blame of the artists. I feel like the comic industry does have crushing deadlines. And sometimes the artists do what the artists have to do to meet those deadlines. You know, it's it's similar to like crunch in the video game. Well, I'm sure crunch is probably worse in the video game industry, but <laughs> I don't know. I'm no expert in, in working conditions in either field. But I do think that there, there definitely needs to be more of a priority on making sure the art has artistic integrity and that it matches the level of the writing. Because, you know, it is kind of a, a, a bummer that we're looking at this stuff now and we're like, is this fully original? And, and we've kind of become conditioned. And, and I think part of that was Tristan shining a light on this issue with what happened with Greg Land. And Greg Land being probably the worst example, I think, in terms of like, there's different degrees of how bad this is. If you're incorporating a official concept arts, that's not as bad as stealing from a fellow comic book artist, you know, who could be working on, on something like this themselves. Like when you're doing that, that's kind of a different level of scummy, I think. So this is, this isn't quite as bad. 
And it's also not the first time either. You know, we saw it in Fire and Stone where they were using screenshots from Colonial Marines. True. Yeah, I, I didn't know about that one. You did. You pointed it out. Well, I, I pointed out the the referenced figures by Patrick Reynolds, and I didn't think that was from Colonial Marines because he he uses his own photo reference with his own actors and his own figures, and that's fine. It still leads to some stiff looking aliens, and that was my main problem with that. But he took those pictures and he made the collages for like if you're if you're making your own reference and using that, like different artists work different ways, and that's his way of working. And I thought it was limiting for the aliens, but going back and seeing how he actually did that. Those, it's not as egregious as I initially might have thought. But yeah, this is this is something we were just blissfully unaware of in comics before. <laughs> yeah. And now we are very aware of it. And it's it's easy for me anyway to kind of get lost in a rabbit hole and be like, I'm going to just take this into Photoshop and see if it matches up with something I've seen before. As, as well as being a, actually, we discovered this after the fact kind of thing. It was also a chance to just say, knowing 100% now, does it affect how the grade that you gave within the, the upcoming episode? You know, would you have marked it lower knowing for a certainty that some of these bad background elements are just photoshops no because i still think overall the comic worked it just didn't live up to its potential and i had a pretty good suspicion that that's what happened so that kind of was what i was factoring into how i originally scored it but yeah it's they didn't do this in the original day well maybe they did i mean like i don't remember seeing this in the old dark horse comics that they did for 20 years right but they very well could have this is before the internet where when we could just google search and see if something matched and throw it into photoshop like swiping has a long history and some artists are better at hiding it than than others but yeah i i definitely think in the context of this just for the fact that i'm seeing something i've already seen before when this is supposed to be an entirely different take on alien that hurts my enjoyment of the comic and i do agree because i always feel like levels of scummy here anyway and saying but it's fine because it was just the backgrounds kind of thing which i mean is is a take is taking away a bit of the experience anyway in exploring the artwork you know again it being not just a design that we've necessarily seen before but it being a literal piece of artwork that is out there in the ether takes away some of that enjoyment of digging into the artwork you know the details that the guy might have put in old girl talking generally here not not just the original screenplay so yeah i don't think it would have really fully affected my score as well because what candice han the colorist does is just gorgeous yeah the color was fantastic and the the original art in it as well is really good anyway so uh, it's just one a layer of disappointment among some of the other things that we were disappointed by but it's not like we hated this comic or anything but you'll 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 learn that shortly yep hope you enjoy the podcast regardless of this maybe kind of a downer intro but i still had a good time reading this and a good time discussing it with you and voodoo and xenomorphing so hope you all enjoy Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Alien vs. Predator Galaxy podcast. This is regular host Aaron Percival, a.k.a. Corporal Hicks, and I'm joined by my regular partners in crime. Adam Zeller, a.k.a. Ridgetop. AJ Bischoff, a.k.a. Voodoo Magic. Eric Adams, a.k.a. Xenomorphine. Have you changed your name back this time? <laughs> okay. Deed poll. <laughs> Sorry, I'm already derailing us to start listen, with. Listen to the Predator Hunters 3 podcast, guys, you'll, then you'll understand <sighs> We're back for episode 125 of many hours of nerding out about Alien and Predator. And we are finishing off our episodes on the final runs that Dark Horse did at the end of 2020. This time we are talking 
Alien, the original screenplay. And that there's digital ownership, uh, Eric over there. And that's the um, problem with digital ownership. Everything. You can't hold stuff up. So yeah, we've we've talked about AVP thicker than blood, which half of us loved and half of us didn't love. We've talked about Predator Hunters Three, which we were all meh on. And I don't actually know how everybody feels about this one either. So this one will be fun. It's so a this, mystery. Well, until even to us. Until five minutes from now, yeah. we'll all know. Yeah. So then, then we'll this, start arguing. Yeah, well, we'll see. Debating. We'll see. This one is the original screenplay. So if you're listening to this one and you just listen to the random comic ones without really knowing what's going off, this one's an adaptation of Dan O'Bannon's very first draft of Alien before Walter Hill or David Gala took it to, to pieces and reassembled it. Mostly keeping the same dialogue, but short, very terse descriptions instead. So this is the very first draft. But it's still Starbeast, right? This isn't the memory idea. Well, memory was never finished, remember? Right. That's yeah. So it's Starbeast. It's it's the well, formerly known as Starbeast. I don't I don't the think artist was, formerly known yeah. as. I don't think there was ever a draft actually completed. No, it was never Starbeast. finished. It was just an idea, mm-hmm. I think. I think it was um, in the middle of the night, right? That Dan O'Bannon came up with the idea of Alien. And he had to make sure no one used that title before, if I recall. Yeah, I think that that was something that was talked about on um The Beast Within, Delosarica's documentary on, on Alien. So as we do, let's go around the table, quick, short reviews on where we stand on this one. All right. Well, to me, the Alien, the original screenplay was often a challenging read. Not because I found it to be a bad comic series. I didn't. At the end, you'll find I thought it was pretty good. But I found it challenging to push the 1979 film out of my mind and treat this as its own separate thing with its own separate identity. My mind wanted to continually compare and contrast, compare and contrast. But as a reviewer, I didn't think it would be fair to the listeners or to the work itself and the time spent by Sexius and Balbi. Hopefully I'm not butchering their names, but the creators, you know, just because I feel something was better executed in the classic Ridley Scott film, I shouldn't necessarily, you know, strike it down in comparison, you know, of an adaptation of Dan O'Bannon's original script. But once I was able to train this separation in my mind, I thought the book was rather enjoyable. This crew aboard the uh, spaceship Snark that was going to get rich enough to buy their own planets. Yeah, uh, I, I, guess, I thought that was weird too. We'll get into Yeah, that. I guess we'll get into that. But they discover a distress signal on a nearby planetoid that demands to be investigated, which leads to a horrible fate to its ship and crew. And overall, I found it to be pretty good. It's a slower burn, but I'm fine with that. I didn't feel very connected with these characters. There wasn't a lot of depth to them, but somehow, like the classic 1979 Alien film, it didn't need to be there, that depth. It just works. Much of the art was interesting. I found the coloring to be spectacular. 
Could this book have been better? Sure, I think so. There were some pacing issues I experienced, and some of the artwork I found was oddly distracting. Maybe there were some errors, and there was definitely sometimes a lack of proper perspective that resulted in panels that left me confused, staring at them strangely perplexed that sometimes would actually take me out of the book. But overall, you know, the good outweighed the bad for me here. So if you want to experience the original film script of Dan O'Bannon before Ripley, before Ridley, before the company, before Giger, before Synthetics, this book is a decent way to do it. So I'd give it a uh, 7.5 out of 10. For anyone who's keeping score, that's higher than I gave Predator Hunters 3 and higher than I gave AVP Thicker Than Blood, read strictly by an alien fan. So there's some context. And uh, ultimately, it's just it's just too bad that Dan O'Bannon wasn't alive to read it. You know, he may have enjoyed it overall. So, yeah, I was pretty excited about this, actually. It taken me a while to finally get around to reading it. I really love the idea of you can see on the bottom of the book here, the 20th Century Fox Uncovered series, which started with Gibson's Alien 3, which I thought was a really well done comic by Dark Horse. So, and I would have loved to have seen this continue. Like, I'm so bummed we didn't get the Predator original screenplay, as I'm sure Voodoo is too. And I would have liked to have seen more scripts. I would have liked to have seen the Peter Briggs AVP script. I would have liked to have seen Vincent Ward's Alien 3 script. And I'm sure there's there's a number of others. Hell, the, the AVPR <laughs> unused script would have been fun too. Too, but I don't know if it would have been the smartest comic idea. Anyway, so I love I love the concept of the 20th Century Fox Uncovered line. I hope that comes back under Marvel. I hope that continues. This comic was decent for me. I thought it was interesting what they did with the characters and how there were a number of very distinctly different plot points in this. Again, we're going to get into spoilers here. So if you haven't read this and you want to read this, come back. But there are some big ones like no android, right? And they don't find the, the eggs inside of the derelict ship. They find the eggs inside of a pyramid by which the derelict ship has crashed. And so some of those distinct ideas were like, oh, okay, this is, this is a bit different. You know, same basic overall story, but some differences there that made it really intriguing. I had a big problem with the artwork in this book. That's not to say it's bad. I feel like the human characters were very well done. I feel like even the alien creature itself was really well done. And I feel like the colors were, were also great. But the backgrounds, the environments, they are reused. I don't know how much is involved in terms of like, because we're starting to see this more, right? This has caused a bit of a stir with the upcoming Marvel comics. A lot of people saying, well, look, these are these are NECA figures that are photo bashed together and drawn over or they're just photo manipulated. So they look illustrated or what? I don't know the process, but I recognized a lot of these environments in the ship, the, the snark it's called in this one, were just the Covenant. They have the Bridge of the Covenant. They have the Medical Bay of the Prometheus. They have the, the lower decks of the Nostromo. And even when they're exploring the derelict, they, they use some of the concept art of Prometheus, the exact same blocking. And you can tell it matches like it was drawn over. And I'm, I'm getting really quickly very tired of seeing this in comics. And it, I guess it happened more towards the end of the Dark Horse kind of comics. And now we're starting to worryingly starting to see it with Marvel. And so that took me out of the experience a bit, because when I get into this, what I want to see is like for me, art is right next to writing in terms of importance in a comic, right? And I feel like that may be lost on some of modern comics in the industry. I don't know, but it's it's starting to seem that way because it feels lazy. Like when I look at this and I can recognize like most of the ship, like the cryo bay is from the Sulaco. 
I'm like, whoa, I wanted to see a distinct ship. I wanted to see the snark. And if you're going to like heavily reference that, reference all the great concept art that came from Alien, that came from Starbeast before we got into this. But if I'm seeing a deck of one ship, a deck of another ship, it just takes me out of the experience because it's something I've seen before. I want to see what an artist can do with their skill and their imagination. I don't want to see what they can throw together in Photoshop in a collage. That hurt this for me, which is otherwise a good comic. The characters, I feel like they weren't developed very well. Maybe they weren't in the story at this stage either, but I felt like the overall story was interesting. Overall, it's still worth reading. The art is not terrible. It gets the job done. There's some moments like the pyramid I thought looked great and I couldn't spot any reference areas there. So that's the problem. Like the artists that do these techniques, I don't know like what kind of deadlines they have to work under, but it's just, it doesn't feel like artistic practice that I want to see as a reader and as someone who's an art student myself. So for me, I got to give it about a seven. And that just goes to the strength of the comic itself. It would have been higher, would have probably been two points higher if not for my issues with the art. Okay, Eric. I come from that older school generation where I remember when Newt's Tale came out, and I suppose that was probably the first Dark Horse movie adaptation type thing that came out because it was marketed as this is going to be from Newt's perspective. And I know I was really hyped for that because it was like a story of Hadley's Hope. It was going to put a new spin on it, but it was like, think three issues of that. And then the rest was literally just aliens, but just the stuff that Newt would have been aware of. When you're doing a a comic like this, I think you need to either go two ways. You need to either present the same basic script and really go to town with the artwork. Like something with Alien, you could do like almost an oil painting on every single thing. Like with, I think it was Destroying Angels, that kind of artwork. You could have made some beautiful stuff with this. Or you really go to town with the very, very, very famous, in Alien's case, unused concept art. And for me, that was what I was really looking forward to. Even though the original... So I think it was Ron Cobb who did that other alien design. It was a bit janky. I was still kind of interested to see what they could do with that. Or, for instance, one of my favourite pieces of concept art would be the Ron Cobb piece where it's just one of the Nostromo crew looking over that sort of tomb with the Aztec art on the walls and this sort of plinth on the stone alien egg. That's one of my favourite pieces of concept art. And I was looking forward to that because when they got in the pyramid, there was a hint that it might be going in that direction, but no. There, I was really looking forward to seeing what the original space jockey would look like. And it was just like, it was Groot from Marvel. (laughs) They just didn't go in the directions where I was hoping if you're going to do anything with Alien, they would do that. I also thought, well, maybe it'll be one of the older scripts where it was one of the ones we hadn't read before. Like there's meant to be one where the crew decide to consult the ship's computer and they bring out serial killers from like Jack the Ripper and Genghis Khan and they get the ship's computer to simulate what a villain from history, how they would defeat the alien. And I was thinking to myself, if they do that, that's something I as a fan 
and really want to read because it's something we've not had that Pandora's box opened. And they didn't do that either. So what we are essentially left with is just a straight adaptation of a pre-existing script draft I think we've all read. And they use designs which were less, for me, less interesting than what we know they dreamed up in the concept art but was ultimately unused for whatever reason. I would have much preferred at least that unused concept art to be because what they did instead of that was a bit underwhelming by comparison. However, it's still interesting. As Adam pointed out, what struck me when I read through it was that if you've ever wondered how Alien would have turned out if Ash wasn't there with his ulterior motives, this is it. This is what would have happened. And I think in the comic format, it actually does a good job of making it feel like they're just sort of, the crew is, they're more interested by how do we get off the planet and all the rest of it, they don't really stop to think, well, what is this thing doing to be... He's called something else here, but, you know, he's Kane, essentially. Yeah, Broussard. What is it doing? They don't stop to think, well, could it be implanting him with something? But unlike with debates in the alien community, you don't really... It doesn't really feel like a plot hole. It feels like the crew's got enough on their mind that it just doesn't occur to them. So, yeah, it's it's interesting as a read but if I'm going to go back through Alien and I've got the choice of reading the comic or reading through H.R. Giger's Giger's Alien or simply re-watching the film reading through this comic is going to be probably the third option as something that is meant to be there to make me pick it up and read it I would say it doesn't succeed because it hasn't got that sort of Pandora's box of presenting that new stuff in an interesting new way. But as a comic, does it function? Yeah, it functions as a comic, as a read-through. But it's like AJ said, if you've watched Alien, your mind's going to keep going through it. Even with the dialogue, your mind's still going to be replaying what Lambert says or Parker says. You're just going to be hearing those characters say the same stuff. And the characters don't really jump out from the page as their own thing as much as you need them to be. But with that said, it is constrained by having to follow that draft of the script because that's the marketing gimmick. It is trying to be 100% emulation. But yeah, I really wish they would have done something different with the space jockey, done something different with the alien design. Even if it wasn't using the same concept art, they could have gone one better. They could have done something with it to go one better and they didn't. So that's what disappointed me. The art, there's nothing wrong with it, but At the same time, there's nothing special about it either, unfortunately. I will say I'm not a fan of the hairstyles. It felt a little bit too hipster-like, and I was thinking, you're on the equivalent of a submarine voyage. You're not going to have stylists doing your hair maintenance all the time. It's the future. Um, yeah, it's the future. Um, so another thing I would like to point out, I remember when I was reading Alan Dean Foster's novelization of Alien, which is in the script as well, they didn't refer to eggs, they referred to as urns. And in this, you have the dialogue, I think, saying urns. And even when I read that book all those years ago, I actually had in my mind something like the urns from Prometheus, the sort of like a stone-like thing. And these were like wicker baskets. So when the comic team, 
team was sort of like felt they had the license to go off and do their own thing. They went off in a direction I didn't want them to go into either. But yeah, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not how I would have liked it to have been either. Your score? Six or seven out of 10, because it's not, again, it's nothing. There's nothing wrong. I don't dislike it, but it's... They had, I feel to myself, they had this opportunity and it feels like the opportunity was squandered. I will say I won't criticise it like Adam for sort of the Prometheus stuff. I think that was there as a deliberate homage. I think that was my view. It goes beyond that, but we'll get into that. Me personally, I think they were deliberately doing that as a nudge, nudge, wink, wink thing because they know the audience has seen Prometheus, but you might be right, yeah. For me, this was an odd choice for Dark Horse to do because the brief time that I got to enjoy some direct communication with the, the guys at Fox that were doing doing all the EU stuff, I was pushing for Gibson's Alien 3 thing. You know, I was pushing for, let's see some visualizations and some adaptations of scripts that we haven't got to see realized. And while there are problems with Gibson's three script as it came as the comic as it came out, I really love seeing that thing actually get visualized. I would have been happy to have then gone on to see as daft as it was, you know, Eric Red's or William Gibson's, uh, David Towie's, you know, those things that we haven't seen visualized. So for me, Dan O'Bannon's was an odd choice because it is generally very much what we got in the finished film. And the things that we hadn't got, the later films mind. So the, the, the real interesting difference in this one is the pyramid, which Prometheus then went on to use. So it was just an odd choice to go for, to visualize a different script. Now, the logical thing to me would have been redo Alien with those early concepts, you know, with Ron Cobb's Star Beast, with those... Was it Cobb? Did Cobb do the snark stuff as well? Chris Foss. Um, yeah. Chris Foster's like snark designs and stuff like that. So when I realized that it was going for something different, I was kind of like, oh, that's a shame. Because, you know, Adam's already brought up the the Covenant corridors and the bridge, and we saw Prometheus's med bay. And and perhaps I didn't, I wouldn't have reacted as strongly to that at the time as we are now with all the tracing controversy kind of stuff. But it, it was very noticeable and disappointing to me, especially because when you have things like Randy Stradley's forward in this, saying how he was sending the artists back to the drawing board because it was not going to do Mobius and stuff. Yeah, but he was also sending things like, it looks too similar to what we got in the film go back and redo it. And then you end up with these very obvious references or possible photoshops, whatever, to actual photos and concepts from the prequels. Sorry, I'm just going to interject here, Aaron. Yeah, in the foreword by Randy Stradley, it says, Our goal was to attempt to forget what was seen in the film, not an easy task, and imagine what things might have looked like without the input of Ron Cobb, Mobius, and other great designers and concept artists who worked on bringing the story to the screen. So, yeah, if you're if you're going to pull things from these movies where those artists did have a lot of influence, it's I mean, you might as well just go with the influence that those artists had before Alien. And I I think that would have made this stand out more as, as an original screenplay as something different from Alien. 
Now, that said, I absolutely fucking love the style of the artwork in this book. I think Candice Han's colouring is quite possibly some of the best colouring that we have seen in an Alien comic for a goddamn long time. Um, I found her style very reminiscent to Rain Burrito, whose style I really enjoyed as well. But there were certain panels in this that I thought was gorgeous. Things like the silhouettes in the sandstorm and the texturing and some of the light effects going off in those were absolutely stunning. I loved them. I've, I've said since we started doing these, that regardless of the quality of the stories or the scripting in these books, all three of them have been knockout visually for me. And this is no different. You know, I've said I have problems with the the, the actual designs, but the, the quality of, of the artwork and the colouring itself has been has been brilliant for me. I've really enjoyed that. Script wise, I mean, you guys complained about some of the pacing, some of the some of the character stuff. There, there seems to be, and I saw this with Alien Three as well, an inability to separate the script and the story of the comic from the fact that it's v- trying very hard to faithfully replicate the early stuff, warts and all. I tend to see that comment reflected towards the comic rather than being a consideration of the actual thing it's based on, which I do think is a little unfair. I must be honest. So things like I. <laughs> I was really disappointed that the chestburster sequence amounted to nothing more than a page and a bit in the comic. Yes, it happened really <laughs> quickly, yeah. It's the same in same, the script. Same goes for the what AJ was saying about some of it was confusing. I, I agree in part. Some of it was a little like the um, the airlock sequence. I sort of had to... Yeah, that was go, confusing for me what, too. What because he was, he was outside yeah. of the room and then suddenly he's in it trying to leave. Like, Yeah, it didn't yeah. quite, yeah. Yeah, we'll get to the pacing, definitely. Mm. But my, when it comes to the actual writing, I think my only real oddity about it or complaint about it was just the way that some, it didn't flow well in terms of pages for me because you would end up with some scenes that ended halfway through a page and then started another one. And that, that was just a weird thing as I was reading it. But like any of the, the complaints to do with like the, the writing of it, I, I can't complain about because I know it's just faithfully trying to adapt something else warts and all and that is part of the intrigue for me that was part of the intrigue for william gibson's alien 3 it's just think something i think people don't tend to take into consideration i wish they would i think i would go seven or eight out of ten for this one i just really love the artwork that much again i I would have preferred to have seen eric red's script as batshit crazy as that was or vincent ward's as much as i hate it you know that that is a curiosity for fandom i would have preferred to have seen something different rather than a, a revisualization of what we got without much unique identity in itself okay since adam seems to so desperately want to start this i do interjecting well, we the artwork the, all the time the elephant in the room which is the art you know and it's interesting because i had different issues with it than adam did but adam is so good at recognizing previous work and then recognizing it in new work so we'll let adam start here go ahead well, yeah, so it goes beyond just Covenant Corridors for me. It starts like the first thing I noticed about this in the, uh, the graphic novel was the ship. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting design for a ship. Actually, no. So sorry. The first thing I noticed was the Covenant Bridge. I was like, that's the bridge from the Covenant. Okay. And then we move on and they're waking up in the the cryo chamber of the Sulaco. And I was like, okay, this is weird. They're just using ships like environments, pretty much how we see them in the film, like not tweaked that much. Again, the colors in this look fantastic. And the scenes are set up well, like this artist may not do good on the uh, pronunciation here. Gilherm Balbi. I'm going to guess that's it. 
He can do the human characters and expressions quite well, as well as some of the scenes like in, in the pyramid, I think are just fantastic. And like when they're all walking through the, the windy sandstorm, like I thought that that bit looked great, but there were just so many elements with the environments that were odd for me. So when the ship is approaching the planet, it says put the ship in atmospheric mode and then the ship design changes completely. And it's just shots of the Prometheus landing down with those four big engines. It looks entirely different. Like, unless the ship is a transformer, they just thought people wouldn't notice. But, like, fans like us are going to notice. Keep in mind, it <laughs> while is marketing at fans. The yeah. funny thing was, in the script, that's in reference to folding in the cameras and the antenna to make it more aerodynamic. But yeah, I mean, you can notice it. You can notice that shot looking up. That is the infamous Prometheus has landed shot. Yeah. And then all the shots of it on the planet's surface are shots we've seen of the Prometheus in angles that I can recognize. Now, I haven't gone and found every one of them, but some of them I can distinctly recognize. When the cargo bay comes down, that's the underside of the Prometheus. But there are elements that are more original that are cool like the space suits they're wearing are really cool and like totally capes, original capes design. And all. I fucking yeah. love the you capes. Like the capes? Them in practical. Like, like, can, can, I have, can I have the yeah. ships do the same thing as, as the space suits and just be something we haven't seen before? But what um, was the point of those big spikes out of the shoulders and because the Because they're cool, Eric. They're cool. Totally <laughs> practical. You know, were those capes? They're sensors, okay, but... Um, they look like they had some sort of camouflage design. They weren't one straight color, the capes, right? Yeah, yeah. they're a separate thing. Yeah, yeah I was trying so, to figure out if that it's had... Like they would, the capes were camouflaged, but the rest of them were in, like, bright primary colors. <laughs> but a question for you, Adam. So do you think Randy Stradley is just not familiar with Prometheus in this work to recognize the... I don't know. The, I don't know what goes on behind the comic industry, behind the scenes in the comic industry. I know Tristan Jones has been has been uh, upset about this on Twitter recently, and you can look at his posts if you're curious. But this did not used to happen. Like back in the day, we didn't see the level we do now. And and I was talking to uh, one of our members, Caleb, about this, and he was like, "Well, they didn't have the internet back then like we do now. They couldn't just look like they couldn't just Google a ship and use that and throw it into Photoshop and draw over it. And I don't know if that's what all the artists are doing, but." We're seeing it in the Marvel comic. Like Tristan pointed out, like the hive is is just a, a set photo, a well-known set photo from AVPR, literally just recolored. Back to this comic. Randy back Stradley, to this comic. Randy Stradley makes a point to say he sent these guys back anytime they look similar. Yeah. Now, if he's and really we're aware. Seeing, and then we're seeing the uh, the mess hall of the Nostromo or the they don't call it a mess hall since it's not a military ship. Right. But is whatever it, they call it. But if Randy's aware of these duplications, he knows aliens or alien fans are just going to call him out on this. So maybe, well, maybe he doesn't. So maybe he just wasn't aware enough with these similarities. Because yeah. why would you just stress this in the forward of the book if an alien fan is going to go to page three and then suddenly say, what the hell? Right. And yeah. then page four and then page seven and so on. Yeah. See, I think this is a bit of a. I know. I feel like we're more wound up about it at the minute because of the stuff with Marvel. You see, yeah. while while Adam, regardless I, of Marvel, though, I w- I would not have recognized. I I would have recognized. Whoa, this is the Bridge of the Covenant. Yes, but at what point do you get upset about that? Is when it ups- no? What? Is it is it upsetting because this is supposed to be something original visually? Is it upsetting because this is a fucking screenshot that's been traced over and photoshopped, or is it just upsetting because this is familiar? 
I think all of those. I think it's all of those because just like I'm so excited about those new spacesuits because they're so cool and different. That's what I want to see with the spaceships. Like that's part of the, that's an important part of the alien universe for me is the spaceships and the environment. And even though it's less uh, noticeable in the derelict ship that they explore, I still yeah, I mean, managed to find there, a piece of the- Prometheus concept art. But that is that was yeah. so niche that one was. Yeah. yeah, but he, here's a here's a point. Like I said, oh, like oh, when they get a chance to improvise, like they're not constrained by the script. They get a chance to improvise, and one of those instances was the derelict ship, and they could have gone in all manner of directions with that. And what do we get? A misshapen cactus, basically. It is not the least bit imaginative as a design. So yeah. maybe it was a case of do, them doing that, and they were just going you know what we might as well just copy prometheus because they they maybe they realized their designs weren't going to cut it i promise i'll finish my rant here guys so the prometheus concept art that they use for the derelict ship in here i have to wonder too like how do you feel about that if you're the concept artist who worked on prometheus and you're seeing this but like, you have no this is i know you don't have it, i know don't legally have... you don't have any that's all fox they own that like but how do you feel about that like just because something is legally permissible does not make it right or that it's good artistic practice so yeah I, I feel like once upon a time this was stuff that people would be like oh that's so cool it didn't end up in the film but my work ended up in the comic i and that's a... fine I... that's fine if they wanted to reference that especially for prometheus that's fine but this has the exact same blocking it's literally the it's a camera facing down i can tell it was just adapted everything's in the exact same place like like it's it's different like we talked about with AVP thicker than blood Aaron like the concept artists who worked on Stompy they see Stompy in that comic and that's like oh that's awesome because they're doing something totally new with this design they're using the reference as a starting point as a basis for doing their own thing with it they're not using the reference as the actual foundation for the work itself yeah. And I think that's it's, the problem here. For it's me. it's how bad you feel about laziness, and it gets to, it's like if it if it's one or two panels, you can sort of hand wave it. But if you start to notice it, like I didn't start to AJ didn't start to notice, but if you start to notice it, like Adam did, and he knows it's like a shot for shot yeah. thing, and it's through the I whole can, book, yeah. And when well, it's that amount, I can see how that laziness might jump out at you more, and you might just think really because you, you you feel less impressed by it. You start to think you're professional industry professionals we should expect you to do better exactly i can get that it it builds up resentment as you go forward through the book yeah yeah because we have the prometheus medical bay we have the industrial engineering decks of the ship which are ripped from alien and then at the very end to top it off it's just the narcissus in the inside and i was like are you serious are you serious? You're just going to do this now. Like it, it was, it brought down the entire thing so much for me. Like it really did. But hey, I'm an art student. I'm the one who's going to notice this. A lot of people are not. That's- Is it actually, I mean, it's hard to argue with the Prometheus one. But is the rest actually what we're seeing with what's his face on the new Marvel? Is this Photoshop filtering? Is this tracing? I would have to put both images in Photoshop, but a lot of the blocking looks absolutely similar. Like you, they also have the engineering or the uh, the terraforming bay from the Covenant. So I would have to go and find. Where was that? That was. Let's see here. This is interesting. It has all the chains. It's, <laughs> it's right, right after the egg morphing scene, which was which was cool, by the way. That was a cool scene in this one. But yeah, you see the the chains right when she's putting the cat in the cat box. That's the uh, the Covenant terraforming bank. 
Okay. And, now, and, uh, and I know the the engine room is from something. I just can't recognize. I think that I think that was the Anisadora's engine room. Was it? I think so. Yeah. Okay. No, not, 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 not the Anisadora. It was yes, yes, it was the Anisadora. That was Marlowe's ship, wasn't it? Yeah. So yeah. it yeah. was an issue for me. It's not going to be an issue for everybody. You know, I'm not saying be mad about this. You're not mad about this. But for me, based on the past and my experience growing up reading these comics, those were some of the best aspects about these comics for me was seeing like, whoa, look at this cool spaceship they created. Like in AVP, that first comic, you see this weird spaceship we've never seen before. And that's how it opens the comic. And it's super strong like that. No, I so, think it does It does matter more with an adaptation, a form of adaptation with Alien, because what are the things that's most famous about Alien? It did set a landmark for set design. So I, I could say with Alien, it probably matters a little more in, in terms of art history, what goes along with the film. It probably matters more with that forward as well. Because you're setting yeah. up an expectation of some sort of originality, you know, better I agree with that, or yeah. worse. Yeah. And I don't know why that was set up, because at that point of development, Ron Cobb and Mobius were involved. Were they not? After he wrote it, I mean, you know, he, he wrote it and then went and got these artwork done as is, is selling. But who did the artwork the for the snark? Because I know there was concept art for the snark. There was there was Foss, there was Cobb, and I think Mobius around were all, all three of them working prior to Ridley Scott and everybody else. Well, I think Foss's designs were the least kind of implemented, but he's yeah. a stunning yeah. spaceship artist. So like you should have gone yeah. with Foss. Well, see, like see that that was the kind of derelict I would have liked to have seen, you know, was his his toadstool kind of look to it. I mean, d- do not get me wrong. There's like three arguments going off in my head right now around all this stuff. Technique wise, I'm completely aboard with Adam. If there, if it is just, if it is literally copy and pasted, traced kind of stuff, then yes, it fucking sucks. It's become more prominent now. If we are complaining about it looking like things that have come and gone, I'm a bit more in the middle of it because one of the things I hate about some of the older comics is when they do not have the same visual language as the franchise. So when comics then start... I mean, it's the difference between book one and book two for me. You know, Mark Nelson's stuff doesn't really look like anything from Alien and Aliens, but then you get Denny Bouvet come on, and his stuff looks like he's actually watched Aliens. Yeah, Like he's been involved in the film. That's fine. I'm not saying you always have to do something totally different, and you can't emulate like what came before. That's that's kind of like a little bit what if... It's difference between inspiration and direct copy. Yes, that's yeah. what I'm saying. If if it's the technique of direct copying, then yes, I'm aboard. If it's just because it looks the same as some other stuff because it's been referenced, yeah. I'm not aboard with because I think that's good for visual continuity. But and, in and the case sounds- of this one, to, for a book that claims to be doing something different, to then go and call back to new, easily referenced stuff when it could have been doing completely brand new or it could have been visually unique by going back to the very, very first concept, then yes, it's a problem. So there's three arguments going off for me here, depending on which one we're actually arguing about. Um, As AJ said, that quote at the start of it does muddy the waters a bit more than they otherwise would be. It sets an expectation that they don't achieve. It it puts it in a whole new light because they, they should have been doing that, but something has happened to make either them or somebody above them go, no, screw it, just copy. It sets a benchmark that, uh, so that's why maybe I'm thinking Randy isn't 
even aware it happened. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. if I was aware, I would just get rid of that forward and just or run. Or they gave him different stuff, and then somebody in Dark Horse just they said, "No, we don't." Well, want he, that. No, he he would have been the editor. He was the editor of this oh, line. In so. that case, yeah, he should have yeah. been aware. This looks like because the illustration style I'm looking at of the the Covenant Bridge looks like Steve Berg's concept art. It looks different than the characters. Like it doesn't have the same, like it looks like a Photoshop. Now I'm, I'm not accusing this artist of anything. I'm not saying this for sure. This is just what it looks like to me, right? It's suspicious. I look at this art and I recognize, oh yeah, that looks like Steve Berg's CG concept art that he did for Covenant, which is fantastic. I loved it in Covenant. I don't want to see it in not Covenant, you know, <laughs> unless it's something that's related to Covenant or that time frame. But this is like a totally different take or supposed to be. And I know we spent a lot of time on this. I appreciate you guys just like hearing me out here. Like, I know I can be like art police sometimes, but... It's Sorry, interesting because, you know, I had problems with uh, Balby's artwork as well, but they were far on the other end than your problems. And that had to do with perspective. But, you know, let me preface this that I did like a lot of the artwork. I liked a lot of facial reactions of the crew, the interior of the snark, some of the exterior shots on the planet. And uh, as Aaron mentioned, I love those panels in silhouette that was enhanced with Candace Hahn's coloring so much. And she can't get enough credit here. And all of it was rather interesting. But Balbi really seemed to struggle with perspective here that would actually take me out of the book at times completely. It actually started in the hyper uh, hypersleep chamber. Let's see if I could find this here, where they're all awakening from uh, hypersleep. And we need to see it turned around because the cameras. <laughs> yeah. Well, I know. I know. So if you have your books, uh, ladies and there gentlemen, you maybe you can take a cl uh, close look at this. But um, you see, um, I guess it's the second page in, not counting the cover, when Snark's crew was rising from their hypersleep chambers. Now, when I first looked at it, I said, oh, that's interesting. They're dual hypersleep chambers. You know, Hunter and Faust are in the first one together. And it must be two males in a dual chamber, then two females, and so on and so on. But then when I look closer, and I realize, no, it's not. Everyone has their own hypersleep chamber, but Foss bed and mattress didn't line up to the base of the hypersleep chamber when you compared uh. it to, say, Hunter's. If you follow the mattress line, and my eyes immediately told my brain, hey, something's wrong here. And instead of reading on, I actually stopped dead in my tracks. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I see it now, yeah. That, see, yeah. That, that is one of those problems where you, if something makes you stop and go, wait, what? And you have to keep on going. But that's when it's they're failing to um, convey a concept. Well, and I'm going to do one more. I'm going to do one more for you gentlemen here, and I'm holding it up again. And I guess I think this is the fifth or sixth page where the first line of dialogue is by Milconis, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. And he's saying out here, there's one, two, three, four, there's five panels on this page. And the fourth one down is a point of view of Milconis' ass. Yeah. Now the bridge was <laughs> the bridge was depicted to us all on one level in previous panels. So in order for that art panel to be correct, Malkanis would have to be needed to climb up and stand on a crate or a large box or the POV camera angle that the artist drew would need to be on some sort of 45 degree angle underneath looking up at the rest of the crew from Malkanis' ass. 
But no, the perspective was wrong and it was distracting. And this actually happened all throughout the book that Balbi sometimes had glaring problems with perspective and it was an issue for me. I will will say when I saw that, I did have flashbacks to playing through Mass Effect 2 with the infamous shots of Miranda Lawson's ass forever being in the camera, Mm -hmm. which is interesting because they are remastering all the three games. Yeah, one of the actual things that the makers pointed out, they said, we went back and viewed this and we were like yeah that that's a bit yeah, weird she's talking about personal they, family history they, and struggles with just a big old shot yeah, of her that's <laughs> and, and they've realized that it, it doesn't it's really weird and cringy so they've they haven't changed the code but they've changed the camera angle and i was absolutely reminded of that and i was thinking really you're, well you're i'm fine with that in a panel I'm fine with that shot, but it can't be eye level with the rest of the crew. You yeah, know, your camera yeah, yeah. has to go down and look under, underneath, so. under the chin, under the nose. But he really seemed to have a problem with perspective. And he also sometimes didn't know how to pose people. I mean, to myself, I can tell his character poses like, hey, an elbow doesn't bend that way or fingers don't curl that way. <laughs> so time and time again, I was distracted among generally what I found as pleasant art. But he just really struggles with natural perspective, I found. Yeah. And actually, and, and nothing, I, I nothing actually, critical, but distracting. Yeah. I yeah. sent you guys something else that Tristan Jones illustrated on, on Twitter with something in the new Marvel comic is a lot of times when you do these photo bashes and you draw characters in front of them, it's really difficult to get the perspectives to match correctly. Yeah. And that could be part of the case. So some of the art just really took me out of the book. Well, you know what? In a related note, crew returned from the derelict. And they were, I guess, first looking at a scan or some sort of hologram of the space jockey's head on this desk. And then suddenly it turned into a real head on the table. Did anyone notice this? Yeah, I've got the feeling it was like meant to be a 3D printed thing, but then there was... I didn't didn't they it. name it too? Just kind of Yorick. It was well, a, a play on the Shakespeare thing. Yeah. yeah. There is, I think, a problem with some some framing throughout this. I mean, they brought it back in the script. So in the script, they are watching the recordings that were taken as a holographic thing, and then the camera would have then revealed that they also had the actual oh. genuine skull on the table. But then there's certain instances of the dialogue referencing something that would have been done different had it been a film. So I think there was a bit later on. Well, where, here it was okay. like a magic trick. There was like these rectangle holograms of the the head and then suddenly the real head's on the table. And I'm like, what's I mean, happening? Also, that, that goes to the heart of another thing I, think, thing I found, which was like they should have done the space jockey different because they had this group thing with a sort of star head. But in the actual dialogue there, they keep verbally referencing a skeleton. But the actual design they came up with doesn't look like a skeleton at all. So you'd think, why are the crew talking about a skeleton? It's like in the 2003 version of the film where the where you had this really spooky signal that the actual space jockey signal originally was and you hear the audio but when it was that 2003 version of the film where they put that in but they changed it to digit and it just sounds like a mundane signal and you're hearing yeah. the reactions of the crew are like oh, i've never heard anything like it and it's just like a generic modem sound and, it, and here you're getting that same thing they're talking about a skeleton but it doesn't look at all like a skeleton. Yeah. In fairness, it could be this being skeleton. I yeah, mean, but I, it's it's not like they would know that. It's to them, it just looks like a, a desiccated tree or something. It's, oh. Yeah, 
I didn't really get group sort of vibes uh, <laughs> from it from myself. But... Yeah, I thought it was funny. I kind of liked the design of the space jockey. Yeah, uh, me too. I mean, yeah, me too. You, now that you mentioned Groot, Eric, I'm always going to think of Groot. But, yeah. <laughs> you know, I saw it as some sort of like petrified body that was reminiscent of something out of the mind of writer-director Guillermo del Toro. Like uh-huh. an unused design from uh, the movie Pan's Labyrinth or one of those other movies. Yeah. You know? Kind of, but I think because of what they were going for in the film, because it was based on, I think it was called Planet of the Vampires, where it was like a literal skeleton. I think it should have been something that was evoking sort of like a skull and bones. Well, I think that's if what it's that would have worked to be. better. It would have evoked the the kind of emotions yeah. they're going for. But I and I did kind of like it. I did like that diamond yeah. kind of star shaped head and those eerie slits yeah. that perhaps are eye sockets, yeah. eye sockets, and those protruding spikes. I don't know. I found it quite interesting to look no, at. I agree. I, as I say, yeah. there's nothing wrong with it. I just wish they would have gone in the other direction. It's like the what they came up with for the alien. Yeah. Nothing wrong with it, but compared to the actual alien, either use unused concept art or try to go like Lovecraftian to go better than they had in the film. Go something much more exotic. And it was it was a lot more generic than I was hoping to see. What did you guys think about the design of, um, I know we've already kind of commented on the space jockey, but I was just going to ask about like the creatures in general. What did you think about the design of the alien, the face hugger, the the eggs and all that? And the egg morphing scene as well, because I promise I'm not going to talk about the art too much here. I will give Balby some props because I thought the alien was really well done. The alien to me looked really good. I mean, it was still kind of the same base, basic. In its uh, final form? Well, just, just all of it, really. It was a bit smaller, I think, in the airlock scene. Looked really good to me. It's a bit smaller in that scene where it's like a greenhouse, but it's also the airlock. That that was the only... Th- no, there's two instances of really confusing geography, but that was the fucking room where they flushed the alien out of. That was the air control room thing. I think they're fucked up with the background <laughs> layer there because it, it quite clearly wasn't an airlock. It was a greenhouse, yeah. But it was exact. It was exactly the room that they'd driven the alien out into, and uh, Faust. I think it was Faust died him. Hmm. I did enjoy what was presented here. You know, the full alien. But to be honest, it looked like to me visually similar to the petrified space jockey you know it was sold to us as coming from two different civilizations the space jockey from some advanced race and the alien itself came from the pyramid which appeared to be from more a primitive society but when you look at the aesthetics of both Mm -hmm. the skeletal space jockey and the full-grown alien both have talons both have these like diamond like heads yeah the head yeah. Both have talons, both have protruding spikes, both have those little like eye slits. So if I didn't know any better, I would say these two I didn't notice any eyes on the alien. Were actually related. Well, there there were slits on the slightly. Head. Yeah, there was impressions yeah. of them at least. Just like there were slits on the space jockey. They went different directions, but I yeah, swear sometimes when it's sort of feeding on stuff, I think you you get an, a hint of them. If I was new to this story and they didn't set some sort of clear defining line between the two, I would think they were connected in some because yeah. it's they're just generally very similar in ways. I didn't think that myself. Mm. Some but, similarity. You can take it in that direction. But I mean, they might have been. Yeah, the shape of the head, maybe a little bit, but 
Aaron, how did you yeah. feel about the Xenomorph or the alien design? To be honest, I liked all of the new designs as being something different. Again, I would have preferred it be Star Beast. Ron Cobb Star Beast. I would you have mean preferred... the squat thing with the two legs? Yeah. Nice. I would have <laughs> I would have loved to have seen them take the original designs, the early designs. You know, give me an eye on the face hugger. I was looking for that as well. I was waiting mm. for that original Cyclops. Mm. And yeah. Somebody, somebody mentioned the urns earlier. I can't remember who it was. It might have been Eric. Yeah, yeah I, I had the same problem there. I would have liked to have seen something more early. I to remember the them being described as urns and wicker mm-hmm. baskets. Then. Pretty much a lot of all of the design aspect of the comic is I don't mind the new one, but yeah. I would have preferred the old, the original stuff to yeah. be its distinct feature. So I'm not, I'm not going to. I'm not going to wish to see that show up again, but I'm still sat here going, I want, I want my Star Beast. You know, it'll what? always be in the back of your mind. What if? And that—that's the point of these fucking comics. Yeah, exactly. What yeah. if? Why well, I think the uh, Ron Cobb Beast would have looked horrible on film. I—I I, I thought if it would ever work well. It would be, you know, in comic form, you know, in static shots where you have this four legged thing and you can make it really terrifying. And this is the way this is the format that it could probably work in. Yeah. Much like I would even say Boss Studios Predator, you know, which really couldn't just be realized on film without looking ridiculous. Yeah. But in a comic book, you could have made it work. So I really do believe they had an opportunity here. But again, when I was reading this, I had to take that out of my mind, too, to sort of judge this fairly as its own interpretation. You know, I, another thing I liked, I know, and I, I agree with Adam with, you know, I, I don't like what they did in regards to um, the copies of the ship. I really like the interior of the derelict ship. I mean, the aesthetic yeah, me to too. me, the aesthetic to me was gorgeous. And I found it really wondrous. You know, these curved walls of the ship sometimes look like maps and charts of the galaxy or black holes. And with these spiderweb thin lines that look like unraveled spools of fiber optic cable that glowed in a way that like you know bioluminescence life yeah, that, does. it was a cool looking bit and well, this is part of the oceans yeah yeah it it succeeded in this set design for the et stuff it succeeded in the same way the the original set design did and if people go back and watch what is now regarded as an old film forbidden planet they do the same thing where they make the hallways and stuff look like they're not designed for a human they make them look like they're designed for something else with a different way of locomotion to travel in what might be natural to them as architecture would not come natural to us and vice versa i think in that way it succeeded it actually harkened me back to um an older james cameron film called the abyss where they yes yeah they had this that would be neon sort of curves that yes very much so yeah I really liked the derelict myself as well. I mean, and, if Adam hadn't, hadn't, hadn't pointed out that shot as well, it would have all looked quite different and unique to me. That that was one of the aspects that I really liked. And I always liked that kind of thing, trying to visualize the unvisualizable. Yeah. Mm. You know. I thought the pyramid looked really good too. I like the juxtaposition between like those weird biomechanical looking alien designs we see in the engineer ship and the more stone ancient pyramid feel we have in the in the pyramid that the character enters. 
They did still have the symbols from Prometheus as the hieroglyphs inside the pyramid. It was the same symbology, yeah. And, and it's gibberish as well. I tried to translate some of it, but I think it, <laughs> it might be a fun it. thing. But I mean, in the film, some of it's actually, yeah. you know, the, the text does mean stuff. But it the, didn't in this one. The interior of the pyramid, like that dark stone. It's what I liked about the first AVP movie too, like that sort of ancient temple kind of feel. Like we've had that vibe since the original concept art of the first alien that we didn't get to see. And how it was presented here, I thought was really interesting, especially in the context of, oh, these things were not on the jockey ship. These things were in a pyramid that maybe the jockey came there and had the same fate as the crew members of the snark did. I I did find it kind of lame that his last warning to us, the space jockey was carving the pyramid silhouette, (laughs) (laughs) you know, on the side of the console, like anyone's going to be able figure that out yeah I, I did find it interesting that it was when you're reading the comic it was it like it was setting up another mystery because the crew themselves were saying well the the actual planetoid is too small for any actual natural ecology and yet the temple was clearly done by like an, an iron or stone age civilization and yet that's where these things were put so i i can't remember if that was in the original script or if that was something that the comic production team put in there but I, I found that interesting that they it was were... it was all from the script the only i think added change was the because some of the gender swapped around they uh, slightly yes. amended some of the names so no it, it was martin robbie in the script in yeah, the comic it was, it was martin yes. yeah otherwise it, it was largely snipping pieces I think of dialogue they would have come in for some fire though if they'd have put that character <laughs> because of sigourney weaver what do you mean well, because she was like known as one of the first action heroines. If they had changed that back to a male character, um, I think they might have caught. No, I, I, I don't think that would have caused any issues because we're now at that point where people, I know Adam's one of them, is going, let's have a male protagonist, please. And let's have a female protagonist in Predator. You know, we're at, we're we're at the point where we want in that swap around there, and again, it being different. I don't I was, think that would have been a problem with this. I one. was actually hoping for males, right? Yeah. I guess I expected males when I first read this. I, you know, I read the script, the original script, a long time ago, so I forgot. I think Aaron was the one that reminded me about the caveat once. I was like, "Hey, aren't these all supposed to be guys?" And uh, he was like, "No, they wrote a caveat that even though they are all men, you know, you can easily replace them with women, which is great that." He did that but i was just hoping that we would get that male protagonist just as another since it was still written that way even without that caveat just to get the feeling of what dan o'bannon first visualized in his head should have been that big lumberjack looking guy too (laughs) well let me i really liked him having it's funny because it's not yeah hunter it's not yeah. everything's not quite an analogy to the finished characters because a lot of the dialogue got switched around. So what Faust might have had in this draft went to Dallas in the final draft kind of thing. And Hunter has a lot of what was Lambert. So having this big lumberjack bloke yeah. be the, the, the Lambert character, I thought was quite... Um, I, no- I noticed quite another callback to Prometheus with him having like a fire field tattoo on the yeah, yeah, side yeah. of his head as well. Um, let me ask a question of you guys then. We're talking about um, male characters here. As we've pointed out at the start of this review, 
probably the most notable change in this version of the story as a whole compared to the what we got as a finished film was there was no Ash. There was no company secret KGB type character with an alternative agenda. They were all, as they claimed to be, they were all just trying to survive it. There was no one worked sort of undermining the mission to get the alien for the company. Having read this story, do you now feel, yeah, maybe Ash was a little bit too on the nose? Maybe it would have worked better this way? Or do you feel that it was harmed by taking Ash out and that Ash gave the story something that this version didn't? I think it was fine without the android in this one. Again, you've, is- I think you've got to remember that this isn't trying to fix anything. This isn't trying to be anything other than what it was. Yeah, but what would yeah, be was- your, having read this version, do you think it works better with Ash, yeah. the general yeah, event, Ash, or do you, you think know, it works better with him? Now, Ash, Ash is definitely one of the best things that Walter Hill and David Garler added right. to to the, 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 the series, you know, that whole dynamic. I mean, sure, Ridley Scott and everybody might not have known exactly what everybody's, you know, whether Wayland Yutani genuinely did know about the alien going into it or stuff like that, but because originally he was going to, but the early version he was going to be a Martian, wasn't he? And then they changed I, it. To I, a I don't. Synthetic. I'm not. I'm not sure how much of that is Ridley Scott's random ideas that never make yeah. it into scripts. <laughs> like, I think me. I think you were mentioning the whole um, Genghis Khan thing earlier. Yeah. From what I remember, I don't think that ever actually made it into a written script. I'm sure this was stuff that was in Rinsler's book where I was looking for mentions of that kind of random crazy yeah. bollocks, but it wasn't there in the written know, forms where he was digesting them. Yeah, digesting anyone them. who's um, watching this video, on a bit, if you're interested in that, I think the Strange Shapes blog has got... Strange Shapes is just stuff. fucking brilliant, full stop, yeah. That's where it was referenced, I think. Let me say with the crew that I did enjoy the crew here. And um, when I mentioned before, I think in my opening, that there was no character development like the 1979 film, I want to stress that I don't think there needed to be. You know, with these particular characters in this comic series, I mean, I, I cared little for these characters. None of them had the gravitas that Sigourney Weaver had or Tom Skerritt, you know, a- actors that demand your attention on screen, even though there isn't character development, you feel a connection. That's what's so amazing about that 1979 film is it works just strengths of alien as being a whole machine of working parts you know the the characters on the page aren't as good as themselves without these amazingly strong and capable actors and you know that's something that ridley deliberately does he wants these kind of actors that he doesn't have to fuck about with all that kind of stuff with and 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 yeah it does lose something without those guys bringing them yeah i mean it's um getting a bit topical here i don't know when this is going to go live but i will say going through this it did remind me of how valuable um performances like yafet koto who recently passed away i would like looking through the characters who were obviously meant to be standing in for parker and i was remembering that yeah he really brought something he brought some gravitas or some blue collar stuff to the stuff that it didn't quite come across in this version the same for yeah right yeah <laughs> Because <laughs> they, they were 
this point, I mean, th- this is pretty much a gauntlet man. run like Jurassic Park. You have a, you have a big setup where they're just landing on the planet, which you could say should have been shorter. It wasn't tight enough, but the rest of it was quite tight as just a gauntlet run. They're just trying to survive this thing that's gone on. Th- this is one of those changes where, again, Walter Hill and David Garden brought stuff into it. You know, the working man sort of kind of thing was, and again, one of their kind of influences where Daniel Bands was a lot more sci-fi. Buck um, Rogers. Yeah. Kind of kind of feel to it, yeah. So. But I just think it was genius casting. Because when I look at the cast of Alien Covenant, which to me is much inferior to the 79 film, you, you can notice the difference, you know, where um, what works and what doesn't. And these people, like I said, just command your attention. But you know what? I got to credit the script, too, because even though I don't care about these characters, Robbie, or, is it Robbie or Roby? I was oh, Robbie. Never been clarified. Right. <laughs> Robbie and Standard and Hunter and and Chaz Standard. You know, I don't care about any of them, but it's interesting because it didn't affect my enjoyment with the story, which is crazy yeah. when you yeah. think about it. And it's probably a testament to the story that was crafted, even initially, by Dan O'Bannon. As long it's as more of a roller coaster ride than what we eventually got as a film. As long as you have a good story, sometimes I think you can just have an ensemble cast and and have them be going through these experiences and we don't really have to get into too many like backstories or development of them as a character. I think you always want some development and maybe there could have been a bit more here, but it, well, it worked mean, for me too. Like wasn't a detriment to the story. It's it still maintains some of the drama in terms of the interpersonal we have the slap still. Yeah. Oh yeah the yes. Lambert slap except it was standard I guess who slapped yeah. right? because yeah. the captain yeah. and the captain was a woman and yeah standard did it to Robbie. Yeah. But uh, unlike the movie um with this book and I gotta stop comparing it but on its own, on its own, this book, I still had a problem with pacing. And I think Aaron touched upon it where, you know, and I'm not talking about a slow burn. I enjoy stories with a deliberate measured stride when the material calls for it. But here I'm talking about there was jarring, abrupt pace between several scenes that needed to have much more defined or gradual transition between Mm -hmm. the two scenes. Some transitions were so abrupt that I wasn't even aware there was a scene change. And I I think Aaron brought it up. It was the death of Melkanis comes to mind where we see the full alien for the first time and it severs Melkanis' head and it runs with his body into some sort of gate and Hunter yells in an action pose. Then in the next panel, Hunter yells some more in a similar action pose. But But the scene actually changed and we're in a different room now. And I didn't, I catch on to it at first. Because he and was no, just coming out of the vent, and then we switch to this room where yeah. he's entering, and then this thing happens, and there's no uh, like, there's no yeah. lead up to it really. The, so this, whoever, this is one of those things where I mentioned earlier how the scenes change in the middle of a page, and that's that's disorientating as a reader. Um, I'll even comics. Go- Further than that, though, I think it needed one panel to breathe. Just one panel with the crew gawking, horrified, and quiet. 
but we didn't have that yeah. and that's why it was jarring and that's that's something they could have put in like in the actual film where you see Brett get taken and then the next scene is just Parker just looking dead at the table and then he speaks you could have done that without the, the script doesn't prevent you doing things like that you could no, have had this those is, this this is one of those limitations of adapting so many words to so many page comic unfortunately I still like, think they, there are ways of doing it. Well, you read you read the script and you realise what's been removed already. The only noticeably big moment that was removed was where they eject Buzard's body into space. Well, that so, bit was strange when he floats back to the which, ship. Which makes like, it strange when he floats back. Because they're like, the ship's gravitational them. pull brought him back. I'm like, the ship's going light speed. Like, what? Like, yeah. Although what, they do, they do make up the point later, like, oh, well... The escape shuttle doesn't have light speed capabilities, but they're like, well, we're already at light speed, so, mm. so that's an interesting. But, yeah, but again, but... That, that's that's something from the script. That's something. Yeah. So from was it was adapted. it changed from the script? Was the version where it was going to be Ripley having sex with Dallas and then um, well, that, that, that body would... floated? That was an. That came after this. Yeah, draft that, that, that was Ripley so that Dallas. Was yeah, there, okay. there, there was no. I mean, in the comic and in the script, you have the scene with Standard and Melancholis, I think it is, in the observation lounge having a moment which i think was one of the few points one of the weird points of geography in this because in the script it's actually it's written as he's walking uh, standards walking down a corridor and then the gravity perspective changes and it looks like he's walking on the roof and then walking at a different thing and has how it was presented in here i don't think was i don't think adapted very well because it confused the shit out of me in here i was like why why are they in space kind of speaking of confusion and melkanis was anyone else confused by this? So so earlier on, Hunter is using the flamethrower to drive the full-grown alien through the vent. Now, Melkanis is with Standard and Robbie, ready to net the alien and drag it into the airlock. But things go awry, and the alien rips off Melkanis's head and escapes with just his body. Okay. But then fast forward to the finale when the first officer Robbie finds Captain Standard cocoon. Captain Standard indicates that the alien ate Hunter and then gestures over to what happened to Melkanis. And there's Melkanis cocooned with his head Yes. somehow reattached to his body. I didn't yes. even notice that. Yeah, that's. I thought that's it was the other me. character because I I was like forgetting the character's names in this. And I was like, is that an error or am I, am I missing it's, something? That no, was it was in- just art gaffs. I mean, you kind of have to shrug and okay. move on. It, it, it's like it's like with the airlock scene. It's not the airlock. Yeah, I was I was um, going to mention that bit. That was someone was- decapitated and then re. I don't know. Yeah, so it's just like a mushroom. So let's talk about the airlock bit, right? Faust is approaching, he's going down this hallway and he sees the alien in what's supposed to be the airlock room, but is presented as the greenhouse that they were in earlier. And then the next panel's really weird. It looks like the alien is bouncing off the wall. Like it looks like it's moving away from him, not towards him. And he's suddenly in the room with it. And I was like, wait, how did this happen? He was outside it's, the room. He's not in the room with it. He's having fun. He, the, the alien's supposed to be running off. I don't know. That's that's how it looks to me. Like he's the aliens in the room, and then the door closes on him because I thought the alien was trying to no, come towards him. No. And then the, the the alien pushes by him. That's how he gets stuck in the door. That's just confusing the way it looks. No, because uh, you can see the bulkhead of the door closing on. So the 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 doors start to close. You've got the text, 
and then the alien rushing by and pushing Faust into the door. Oh, and it pushes it, him into the door. It de- yeah. yeah, see, it looks like it's moving away from him. But what if he's, it? it's but got, if he's it's outside got, it's of running. the room, he's, he's in the hallway looking inside the room, right? Well, remember the room's supposed to be the airlock. Yeah. So the airlock door's supposed to be starting to cycle. The alien's getting the fuck out of there. It's made confusing by the fact that they've used the wrong fucking Photoshop layer yeah. Um, yeah. of the artwork, and it's not actually the airlock. Because if, if he's outside the room, you'd think he would just back up. Like, I'm like, how did he get in this airlock there? It's just really confusing because it looks like he's now in the room and he's trying to leave as the alien is coming towards him. Like, that's how I read it. That misses out, as I remember it, the original script, and this might have been another draft, I don't know, but as I remember it, it was meant to be that the alien is not eating something, but it's sort of like fascinated, but this flashing that's, that's light. That's the later one. That's the later one. Okay. Look, you guys can be. That would have been more interesting to see. (laughs) You could be a brilliant artist, right? One of the best artists in the world. But if you're if you're applying to be a comic book artist with any of these big companies, they don't want to see artwork, static artwork. They want to see you draw panels and have the ability to tell the story within those panels. Because you could be the greatest artist in the world, but you could really suck at paneling out some events, some action, and have it be coherent. And some yes, artists coherent. can't do that. And I think I think that Balbi struggles with it sometimes, at least in this book. Yeah, I agree. And um, there is some confusion in there, no doubt. We've obviously just seen that. The death in the, the airlock door kind of reminded me of that scene in the movie Sphere. If you guys remember that, like all the bulkhead doors close and someone gets stuck in it and then it, you don't see it, but it crunches. Is Samuel L. Jackson in that movie? Yeah. Mm-hmm. This, pred- this predates it. That's not going to go throwing accusations around. I'm not throwing any accusations. I just thought it was a cool comparison. Like, oh, yeah, that's that's a pretty like gnarly death. I remember it from that one movie. That doesn't mean they stole yeah, everything. Could, could it have been the sphere took it from this? Without looking at the book, (laughs) my impression when that happened is what happened with Foss Eye? Foss Eye popped out and then somehow, yes. Yeah, but then sucked back into his head. Yeah. (laughs) If you look at the last panel, no, 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 go one more. And this is just from memory. I don't even have the book. This is another one of those. This is another one of those ones where it's a panel, panel on the next page and you've got a scene. Halfway yeah. through. No, no, but there's the next page where it's kind of no, sucked I, back I, in. I see what you mean. Next yeah. panel, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, okay, magical. Well, magical. you know, if, if characters are regrowing their heads, they can suck their eyeballs back <laughs> <laughs> it was. It, it did kind of remind me of Prometheus when Broussard went in the pyramid and he noticed like, oh, the air is breathable in here and he takes off his helmet. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. we're doing this again. And then yeah. later in the story, they're like, no one goes anywhere on the ship without a without a pressure suit now. And I'm like, okay, yes. now we're being smart again. But well, the the there was dialogue at the start of it. There's no pathogen. There's no uh, microorganisms or anything in the air. It's completely dead. Yeah. Well, they were clearly wrong about that. Yeah, <laughs> but I think I think this was one of the things we actually talked about in the thread on the boards. I was like, after the events of last year, I'm not fucking surprised by anything like this now. So yeah, yeah. You know, I'm still happy this thing exists, though. You know, yeah, I wish too. they would do that. You know, I would love. I don't know if I bring this up too often. I would love this to happen for Predator Two, especially <laughs> the why? why? There's what? not enough difference. No, there were sixty pages where Dutch returned. Oh, remember? you mean you mean that one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That one. Okay. Where it was Dutch, Harrigan, and Keys, and sixty pages sounds like enough that they could build a story around. So I would really it's, have loved. It's different from the intent of what they had been doing, though. This was just taking what was there 
shortening it enough to be a five comic series and then banging it on rather than than taking a framework i mean don't get me wrong aj i would be all up for that it's things like the um the alien resurrection treatment where it was it was new you know yeah. i'd like i'd like to see that adapted but that that wasn't what they were aiming for with these that's not to say we couldn't see it in the future and i would well, love to see it in the future i'm just saying that you know they could have you know maybe someone would have taken up the challenge it was like I don't know if you guys are familiar with Conan and the Barbarian, but uh, Robert E. Howard, the creator, I think he shot himself in the car when he was 30 years old, 30 or 35. But he had a lot of pieces of stories that another writer came in and kind of like filled in the blanks. And then these things were able to be published. So, uh, you know, it's a dream of mine for someone to get. I mean, I'm sure it's on the 20th century vault somewhere for them to, uh, you know, take that script. That's 60 pages. How much is the script traditionally run? 100 pages? 90 to 100. It's, right. it's, the role of thumb is one page per minute, but it varies depending on dialogue or action. So I, w- I, w- I would love if if anyone's listening, Disney, Marvel. Yeah, like if that. they if they did this, they could do that because this hasn't got very except for Ash. This hasn't got very much change compared yeah, and I, to and the we, finished and product. Forget- and even Predator 2, let's just think about what's already completed. The Predator original screenplay that's apparently, mm-hmm. what, three three books were drawn, two and a half, and the whole script is ready to go. So I would love if Disney would take up that mantle and push I, that out. I re- Again, I thought the Predator was an odd one to go for because we'd already had the... Um, there wasn't. They didn't seem like there was enough difference, but from talking to Jeremy, there was actually some good differences between that one because it was an even earlier draft. But I mean, I, I would love to see Marvel continue with this kind of thing because I still want you know I still want Eric Reds I still want Towies and Wards and Blumkamps you know I I want all that stuff visualized because I think it's really interesting and I'm just actually trying to pull up what about Bray's AVP script yeah, yeah, I'd love, I'd love that, to see yeah. that. I'd love to see that as well. You know, yeah. even even That's near the top of the list for me. Yeah. So, are you guys talk? I'm actually going to try and find the sales figures for this one to see how it did, as, as yeah, well I'd, as the William. I was going to say, I, I don't think there's enough of a dip because Briggs was essentially copying the original comic, but it, it would have to be the draft we never saw. The second I think it was distinct draft. enough. It's kind of like Anderson's, right? Like An- Anderson adapted a lot from that first AVP comic. But I think with Briggs, even though it was in the future and it was closer to that comic, you had Machiko Noguchi and all that or different names. Well, he, he's, Her- he was... Hiroko, was it? Yeah, actually, I don't know. But it's what so, I'm saying is that the version that we we all know, he said that was just a rushed version just to get work. Once he got hired, yeah. he did the other version that we know has a zero gravity predator scene in space. That's the version we all want to read. That's never been released. Yeah. And apparently that was much tighter. That was done like literally to write this as a film that would be interesting to that adapt. would be yeah that would, be that, that would have been him doing it mindful to make it different um, enough to if there was it. a script blomkamp's alien 5 i would love yeah. to read that in graphic novel form definitely a personal uh, wish of mine would be the rumored rodriguez script called the zoo <laughs> where oh yeah Dutch yeah that would be a good Dutch one and harrigan are on i don't think that was rodriguez line. one I thought it was like he didn't he write that like in the nineties or something. Yeah, no, that, that, that that was that was just Dutch. We've read that one. That was the one we did an episode on. I thought you were going to say the the famous one where there's a guy on a barbecue and a predator and he just yeah that that is that yeah. that is the Rodriguez. That's one. the one that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. If <laughs> I remember Rodriguez much earlier in his career did the zoo script, so I'm going to try to look this up right now. Zoo That's the one where predators zoo. are urinating on there. 
Yeah, so so that 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 was that was Robert Rodriguez. A zoo was a different thing, and now Stop believing is... you. <laughs> We're all just searching things now. Apologies, everyone. <laughs> all right, then this gets edited and uh, snipped away. I will win this debate. <laughs> but I know I know we've been ragging on this a lot, but there Some were things parks. there were things to enjoy. Like overall, I thought it was an interesting yeah. take. I I wish we would have seen more Chris Foss in there because I I feel like he deserved more representation with the work he did for Alien, and this would have been the perfect opportunity mm-hmm. for that. But I did like the alien creature. I thought the crew was interesting. I thought they were very distinct from the crew we eventually saw in the film, and that was a good thing. So yeah, I, I agree with you, Voodoo, that it felt very similar at the end to like Ripley as the last survivor. Like Just having a male protagonist would have switched that up, I think. But overall, like the story, story worked. If this would have been the film that was made, I don't know if it would have been as successful as Alien, but I think it still would have, like Dark Star, like it would have had an impact. I, yeah, I, think, I think, as I said, it's it's got its flaws. It's not what I want it to be, but you know, as as a what if educational tool for someone who doesn't have the patience to sit down and read the actual script. I, I think it's, yeah, it's an interesting what could it have been sort of thing if someone wants to. I, I think in in a vacuum, I would have enjoyed this movie. You know, if there was no Giger alien and no synthetic and no company and it was it was filmed like this and the aliens look like this, I still think I would have enjoyed it. It would have been up on my yeah. shelf with the thing and predator and you know those type of movies and um it still could have been one of our favorites i think you know so i mean one of those classic creature feature things just not at the level where there are art art, history college degrees written about it right but it's a it's a testament to the script and dan o'bannon's work i mean just you know just that still that whole premise of of that that mysterious signal, you know, that, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that causes the uh, crew to awaken and investigate, you know, that originally seems like an SOS and turns out to be a warning. I mean, this is still the, the, the building box is still oh so good. So and I yes. think that's why I still enjoyed this. You know, once I was able to separate the film from this book. Yeah, I think if anything, it does, as I was hinting at earlier, it does actually, if you're one of the people who feels Alien is a bit too slow paced, I think sitting down and reading this actually helps you appreciate what we got a little bit more. It does help you appreciate what, you know, the the characters of Parker and Brett and Dallas, what their performances actually gave us, which was outside of what's just written down on the script. There's there's more that came to life in what we ultimately got than this. So it's, I say, it's just an interesting comparison tool. Which is what these things are. They're supposed to be, you know, what ifs and a look at alternate ways that things could have happened. And I will just apologize because I just realized I didn't have my mic muted throughout all my searching for sale figures. You should have because I have a mechanical keyboard. It's horrendous. I'm not going to be able to mute that. So I am sorry. Another thing I was going to bring up is the variant covers were actually by Walter Walter Simonson who was yep. the illustrator for Alien, the illustrated story. So kind of coming full circle. Yeah, the covers, the covers are really... great. Both both the um, the main covers and the variants. But seeing those variants, like they do really evoke that style of the old illustrated story. Those are really yeah. cool. But sorry, what were you going to say about the, the covers, Eric? Just you like them as well? or 
Yeah, no, I was just saying the colour. In fact, I would go so far as to say the covers were the best thing about that. They were really atmospheric, those colours. In fact, a lot of people just saw the covers that were marketed for this in advance of release. And I, I remember a lot of the feedback was, wow, I've got to pick this up. And it was just based on the strength of those covers. The covers were phenomenal, both the, the main ones and the variants, yeah. So I, I have just looked up the sales figures, by the way. They This one didn't sell as well as William Gibson's did, but it was still nearly half as better as um, Dark Horse as normal alien um, comics generally went for. So it shows this is a strong concept. Mm-hmm. And again, that was why, that was one of the reasons I was like, yeah, they probably this is why they probably went for singles of this because William Gibson sold so well. So yeah, makes and sense. To be fair, those sales were hurt by COVID. Yeah, yeah. true. Uh, well, yeah, this this was towards the end. Of, so as of this the, was a Dark Horse comic, was this the last one Dark Horse did or was that Thicker Than Blood? Or... No, this Thicker was Than Blood was the last AVP comic they did. This so what was the last, last Alien comic? This was it one. Yeah. yeah, but it was also the last out of Alien, Predator, and AVP. I think the last comic came out the same day as the... The Hardback um, did. The Hardback, yeah. 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 Alien, what was the last... Sorry. Did you just call me alien? Let's reverse that. Aaron, what was the last <laughs> alien comic that wasn't this that Dark Horse did? Was it It was Rescue. Penult- was it Rescue? Or was yeah. that Dust to Dust was before Rescue, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, well, it's it a good was thing we didn't go out on that one. Oh god, yeah. <laughs> that was trash. <laughs> Hunters three was a tough one for me to go out mm-hmm. on. Yeah, it's a shame we didn't get that original screenplay for Predator too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, but we did get some hints of that from the um, the author, didn't we? About how that might have been like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Jeremy told us some of the in, uh, some yeah. of the interesting differences when we uh, when we interviewed him. I meant to be more gratuitous and the creative going to be more chameleon like. Yeah. Yes. Which would you have preferred that it would have been like the the mantis style? The Van Damme one? I, I would have yeah. liked to have seen the boss one. Yeah, me too. I was just like, well, I was hoping for the Cobb style in this book. I was hoping for the boss one. But, you know, I think Aaron stumbled upon, or I did, or we both did, some earlier concept work. So of what was actually featured on the original screenplay Predator cover. So this is actually not some sort of design by Dark Horse. This was one of the concept arts done for Predator, this little green chameleon looking beast. Yeah. yeah so it, it they were definitely taking a different route. There wasn't going to be some sort of, you know, opening where they're saying, you know, we did this all by ourselves, you know, just on the basis of the script, because there's definitely some concept art in play with that i really so, hope they finish that yeah me too shame for them uh-huh. not to. me too anything else left to say on this one or should we sort of end it with your imdb review website aj that you've used for the last ah, few i will be happy to pull that up alien and um, just <laughs> oh, <you> just <laughs> I, I got it i got it don't worry and, and just to bring up finish off the conversation we was having earlier about the alien three things no the predator three things so uh, before Predators, we knew of three different concepts. One was called The Deadliest of Species, which was written by Sam Park and was around the whole thing of being set in New York with Dutch during a blizzard. There was Robert Rodriguez's batshit crazy original Predators. And then there was a third one known as The Zoo, which we didn't know the writer for, which would have had both Dutch and Harrigan being captured by Predators and brought back to the home world. 
And that would truly be a predator. Give us a comic of that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be a dream. I I mean, one of the things I loved about this concept was the idea that there could be so many scripts that we don't even know about in the vaults. You know, just just think how awesome that would be. This random script from some unknown that we never even heard about or or had any inkling about just showing up and being the basis of a script. That could have been so much fun. We know Sigourney Weaver has mentioned having quite a few that refer to the clone that were meant to be set after Resurrection and she turned them down. But we We've never heard of them. There's meant to have been quite a number. So for the Alien, the original screenplay, um, this is Comic Book Roundup. It's the it's the Rotten Tomatoes equivalent um, for comic books, comicbookroundup.com. They reviewed um, all five issues collectively, and they gave it a critical rating of 7.2 pretty and, close a, and a user rating of 8.4. So there okay. you go. So, so yeah, we're, we're about the same ones there. Yeah. Okay, so anything else from anybody? I know I ragged on this a lot, but I still think there was more good than bad here. And it is a nice hardcover. It looks good on the shelf. I just wish with every, like with all the work that Dan O'Bannon and the other concept artists did on the original Alien, it wasn't what I was hoping for. I still think there's good here. I still think it was a a nice read. It just could have been a lot better, I think. I recommend it. I think it's a great experience and it's a testament to the script, the original script of Dan O'Bannon. You know, you you read all the stories and like, it almost felt like it was, you know, taken from from his grasp, you know, and approved upon in, in spite of Dan. But no, this is real proof to me that this story would have worked too and worked really well as a film or as a book or as a comic series. So yay, Dan. I just, again, I just wish he was alive to enjoy it. Yeah, not bad, but could and in my view should have been better. That's all I can say. Is that in terms of an adaptation or is that based yeah, on... Yeah, an, an adapt for being what we hadn't seen of Alien. As a comic, yeah, it, it's perfectly serviceable, but it's just... It, there's It's the kind of thing where you hear they're going to do the original screenplay of Alien. This was not what I would have imagined they would have done. They either weren't original enough or they played it too safe. Well, you got to imagine there was, there's going to be some similarities. I mean, there are some descriptions in the original abandoned script that's just going to carry through. I mean, this is not going to look like an entirely new piece of fiction. Yeah. Yeah. And mainly in terms of the, like the designs and stuff. I, as I said, there are some things where there are flaws and faults, but they are, there's nothing they can do about it because they are adapting a script. But there are, I mean, we've have spent this entire review saying about what could have been done differently. I enjoy this book. I do. Uh, I would recommend it. I do find this concept of, of adapting screenplays, warts and all, really interesting. I agree with Eric in that it's like it's not how I would have wanted it to have been done because, as I've said numerous times, I would have wanted to have seen the original artwork, the original designs used. That said, I really like what they did with it. Problems with potential tracing aside and photoshopping aside, I really... Again, I really fucking love Candice Hand's work and the uh, colouring work and the, the actual visual style of the comic I really do like. I really do think it's possibly one of their best looks in terms of especially in terms of the colouring, yeah. And it's a shame we didn't get to and it's a shame we didn't get to see her on Predator, the original screenplay, uh, which she was supposed to do. But yeah, I recommend it. 
give it a go if you're interested in this kind of what if universe and i do really hope marvel continue with it after um they've alienated us all with um <laughs> uh Rocco oh, or whatever wait for that podcast is. right <laughs> oh god yeah i mean we, we've never even traditionally reviewed single issues before mostly because i hate reviewing singles so we'll have to see how we handle that one but that that should be fun Right, well, thank you, everybody who has been listening or watching. If you want to find out more about us and you're not really aware of us, uh, the hub of AVP Galaxy's activity is on avpgalaxy.net. We're on all the socials as AVP Galaxy or Alien vs. Predator Galaxy. Uh, if you're listening, please go check out our YouTube channel, not necessarily to watch the video versions of this, but all our other video content, including Let's Plays and uh, video editorial pieces and stuff like that. This has been Corporal Hicks. Bridge Top. Voodoo Magic. Xenomorphine. Signing off.